Hello, and welcome back to The Rewind. I'm Josh, and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today's episode is about Marriage Story, and I am happy to be joined by my friends, Lisa Koshbakti. Lisa, what's going on? Josh, thanks for having me again. And Josh Brown. Josh, thanks for being here. What's up? So, Marriage Story is the newest film from writer-director Noah Baumbach. He's been very prolific, and it's his second collaboration with Netflix since 2017's The Meyerowitz Stories. Marriage Story is semi-autobiographical, as uh, Noah Baumbach went through a high-profile divorce with actress Jennifer Jason Lee in the early 2010s. And Marriage Story focuses on a stage director named Charlie, played by Adam Driver, and his divorce from his wife, Nicole, an actress, played by Scarlett Johansson. And we they have an eight-year-old son named Henry, and Nicole moves across the country to L.A. with Henry to start working on a TV show, but then it turns out that might be a little more permanent, and they've already decided they're going to get a divorce, but this ends up making things a lot messier. Lawyers get involved, and uh, chaos ensues, and that's basically the movie, but I mean, it's a lot more going on than I just explained. Uh, I guess I want to start big picture first and start with you, Josh, because you also have a long relationship with Noah Baumbach movies. Noah Baumbach makes lots of movies about Jewish people, white people, pretty much exclusively white people, well-off people who mostly live in New York City. And I would say like maybe a half of those things uh, apply <laughs> to you as a person. And you, know, I, I, you don't have to personally relate to art demographically to appreciate it but as someone who like so is so out of the demographic of the people that Noah Baumbach makes movies about I want to know because I've never straight up asked you why do you like Noah Baumbach so much well like for my money Noah Baumbach is like the director of the decade uh rivaled only by Richard Linkletter where (laughs) like his filmography in the 20s. Someone else who also makes movies exclusively about white people. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I don't discriminate. Uh, (laughs) Um, back is, I think in part, I think like the, 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 you know, the thing that people don't want to talk about in like 2019 is that like, I think for both Bombback and me, like, I think like Woody Allen is probably like a strong, like influence and on our like cinematic, uh, uh, um, uh, taste and so I think you know especially in you know in the 2010s where like Woody Allen's a little bit more problematic you know Baumbach is a nice like alternative and also he while also sort of having his own distinct voice and milieu but generally I just sort of respond I guess we have similar interests honestly um, uh, like you know we both like have our taste in like Borscht Belt comedy and um, New York elites. Um, um, and I think, uh, you know, Baumbach made an entire documentary on one of my other favorite filmmakers, the Palma, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, he loves Greta Gerwig. So pretty much like E.T. <laughs> is also like a, like a holds a special place in our early film going experience. So like, I think pretty much we have very, very similar interests and like his films are sort of like in the same way, like Woody Allen films, like presented a sort of aspirational view of New York. I think his films do that for me as well. They definitely do. And one thing I didn't realize though before today, uh, which I'm glad that we have like someone that has a different perspective on Noah Baumbach here. But listen, you had not seen as many of his movies, but I know you were very excited about Marriage Story. So, uh, right. what first like uh, attracted you and uh, kind of uh, perked your ears up about Marriage Story? 
Um, so I actually, like you mentioned, I've only seen one Bombach movie. I watched Francis Ha, but mainly because of Greta and because I was living in New York at the time. So that was like initially my pull into watching the movie, but I've heard, uh, Noah's name being thrown around. And so for marriage story, um, I was really excited. Obviously for me, the big pull is Adam driver. I think he's one of the greater, I guess you can, you can't really call him up and coming cause he's, no, been he's around one of our greatest living actors. You can just yeah, say he's it. one of our greatest actors, but I feel like no one. And, you know, has, has seen his, most of his stuff. So, you know, that's a big pull for me. He was in that Between small indie film called Star Wars. So, yeah, I think. Yeah, it's, it's like good. a super small. You might not have heard of it. It also might be coming out in like a week and a half or a week. Now. Oh, no, a few days. No, but yeah, a lot, uh, a lot of it. I mean, a lot of his best stuff is uh, more under the radar. Yeah. So, yeah. Right. And so with Marriage Story, not only with the easy access of it being on Netflix, I got really excited because um, it's just so easy at our fingertips. So, you know, going on with the ease of that, Adam Driver coming up, you know, it being about a story about divorce. You know, my parents got divorced when I was really young. The story didn't obviously mimic my own personal story, but it was nice to see divorce being talked about on, you know, on film. And I know Noah's other film has talked about that too so it was kind of that those were the polls for me that i was curious about yeah i mean that's an i'm very fortunate i rolled sevens on parents they're still married so it's something this isn't subject matter that i'm going to personally relate to necessarily but Mm -hmm. i i do like i do find it interesting as someone who uh did see have friends whose parents got divorced and it didn't have a great effect on them so i find it interesting subject matter especially because there's not that many movies about divorce despite it being like a very common thing i mean Mm -hmm. like i i know there's a few others out there but there's not really any that are like super well known besides kramer versus kramer and squid and the whale and Mm i and i mean i really like noah a lot and i mean i think my answer to the question that i asked josh earlier would be like for me like i one thing that generally grates on me in pop culture is like when we're expected to like care a lot about people that like are the people that noah bombach makes movies about like these white people that consider themselves writers but you're not sure what they actually write but they live in new york somehow and live very comfortably and talk about how much they want to write but you still don't know what they're going to write and it just annoys me and it doesn't annoy me with him which i think is just like why i like am so impressed with his ability as a writer of movies and but at the same time like i also do appreciate it when someone can kind of just like take me into a world that i don't know and that's what he did in the squid of the whale with divorce but like squid of the whale is just like a very very like unpleasant experience it is a good movie but it is a very unpleasant experience is that fair josh mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think what separates Baumbach and a lot of like you know his contemporaries and maybe imitators is the fact that I think the type of movies that like Baumbach makes or like Woody Allen or even like a Nancy Myers or a Nicole Hall of Center makes where they're talking about this you know milieu of like of very wealthy well-to-do white people is the fact that okay their movies like are very you know dependent on their writing. And the stakes are very low. So you have to make these characters compelling in some way. And also, I think with Bombach's characters, I think they're pretty I think he's pretty self-aware about how intolerable these characters are and how insufferable they are as well. Like there's always a certain bite to a lot of his films, though, in the post Greta Gerwig of his career, his films have gotten like with Francis Ha and Honestly, to a certain extent, this movie, the, there's a more warmer uh, sensibility that he's getting since like Squid of the Whale, which was all bite. I think the uh, I mean, I, th- I think that was part of what I was excited about with Marriage Story was just that like I knew it was going to be a different kind of divorce movie that was probably not going to be the same unpleasant experience just based on what I had heard going in. So I guess I'll, I'll throw it back to you, Lisa, though. Uh, based on all those expectations that we just talked about, uh, what was your ultimate uh 
what was your ultimate takeaway from marriage story? Did you really connect with it or, uh, did you think it missed the mark? This is tough because I feel like there was so much hype around it that I really, again, wanted to resonate with it. Mm -hmm. But my, after my first initial watch, I was like, you know, that was good. I didn't, everyone kept talking about how they they cried and, and felt this and felt that. And well, I thought it was a really good movie. I don't think I connected with it emotionally. Um, even though I had personal experience with having parents that divorced, um, it didn't mimic the mo- the movie. So I didn't resonate with it on that end. And I've also never been in love that deeply and fallen out of love. So I didn't relate to it on that sense, but I thought the movie was, uh, beautifully done. And the monologue scenes were, you know, were top notch. Adam and Scarlett did a really good job. I'm trying not to root for Scarlett, but she, she did perform pretty well. And then Randy Newman score, you know, tied it together with the bow. So I really liked it. I haven't seen the rest of Baumbach's film. So I'm, I'm still kind of figuring out how I feel about him, but I thought the movie was pretty good. I think it deserves the praise it's getting, but people are kind of, taking it you know over the top in my opinion but okay. you know that's we'll discuss that before before we move on i just want to say you made the comment again about not seeing his other films even though we're not going to be doing another podcast on one of this movie soon yeah. I, I, I do think we need to assign you mistress america as homework just because you, yeah. you, you made the comment about seeing francis hollick when you were new to york new, new to new yeah. york and i think mistress america is, isn't even i, I don't I, I know i wouldn't even i mean i really love both and I, I it's hard for me to like separate a lot of his movies but like i think as far as a new to new york movie mistress america it probably is like perfect uh, for someone that like might have that kind of experience. So yeah, no, when I, when I was going to college, um, uh, when I saw the movie, I had like just came out of college in New York. And so like, I, it hit me like really, really hard because like, Aww. I have like a very similar experience to the, um, Lola Kirk, <laughs> like, like, uh, like that character was like one of the most relatable characters of yeah. all of cinema. But, um, at that time. And also like, for me, Mistress America would probably be in like my top ten of the decade. Wow! Um, it, was, it, was, oh it, was, it was in my top ten of 2015 for sure. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, and it wasn't even like my number one or maybe in my top five, but yeah, it's a movie that has like stayed with me. It was like, 2015. Yeah, it was my top ten of 2015 also. Uh, but Josh, what, what did you what, what did you think of Marriage Story? So, as the resident Noah Baumbach stand um, <laughs> here, I, I will say that like this is like top tier like Baumbach. Like I think like it's kind of interesting how this movie like how up until this point like this movie is kind of almost like a stylistic departure from his rest of the films while also being fundamentally a Noah Baumbach film and like I've heard like people kind of have the lukewarm take on it that Lisa has Mm -hmm. and it's funny because I was talking to another friend of mine who's also a child of divorce and who also you know like was in a long is in a long-term relationship while living in New York. And she said, like, I could not relate to this movie at all. Oh, and, wow. And some of these takes makes me think, oh, this might be the best picture winner. Because this yeah. seems like the same conversation that we have over a lot of best picture winners. Um, though this one would be... The Better not put this movie like, in the same sentence as Green Book. Better not do yeah, that. No. <laughs> yeah, no. This, this would be my, like, okay, you know what? Like, this is this would probably be my favorite Best Picture winner if it won of this decade. But also, I have a, I have a strong soft spot for, like, Kramer vs. Kramer as well. But um, I, I was thinking, though, like, kind of the lukewarm takes, I think in part is because the thing is, it's like, no bomb back filmography, kind of like Woody Allen's filmography, is sort of divorced from the rest of like cinema in the sense that like you only really think of like their top works in regards to their canon as opposed to like 
you know, the rest of movies, you know what I mean? And so, like, I kind of think that, like, marriage story, now, like, an artistic accomplishment, a career evolution may not necessarily resonate with people that are not necessarily fans of Bombback. Like, it's sort of like a singular work as opposed to, you know, like other films that are in the conversation right now that we might be talking about in the larger landscape of, you know, movies in 2019. I would agree that it's upper tier for him, too. I and I know I, I, I found it interesting, both what you said about it being kind of a culmination a lot of his work and Lissa saying that the monologues really work for him. Because this might have just been because I was like when I watched it, like I, I have my office Christmas party on Friday night. So I was like Aww. and I, I somehow couldn't help but wake up at like six, even though I should have been like super hungover and sleeping into like 10. I somehow just woke up at 630 a.m. and I couldn't get back to sleep and I was kind of hungover. So maybe I was watching it and I was a little more loopy than I might otherwise be when I watch a movie that I'm this <laughs> excited to see. But I started and I almost I can kind of one hand how many times i've ever cried in a movie and i started crying during her first monologue the first time she's in laura Dern's <laughs> office and i don't even Aww. know why it was before she even got like super super emotional it was almost just like as soon as laura Dern like sat on the couch and kicked off her heels i started weeping and i was like i was just like oh my god like noah is like totally in command right now like, he, like <laughs> he's getting this performance and he's getting like scarlet to do this thing where she's like walking all over the room and showing all these emotions and i was like this is like this is cinema yeah. Like injected straight into my veins. Noah is like on <laughs> one right now. And I was like so excited. And I also watched it twice, Lissa. And after the first time I watched it, I was just, I immediately, just because like I really am very uh, close to a lot of his other movies from the last few years, I was just like immediately comparing it in my head. Like, did I like it better than Mistress America? Did I like it better than Meyerowitz? Did I, did I like it better than uh, Francis Ha? And I think like for some reason I was like maybe thinking there was like a gap in the middle of the movie that like maybe didn't work for me as much or just I wasn't feeling as much as I was like the beginning and the end of this movie. Right. Uh, but then I thought about it again because I watched it again today, and I realized like maybe it was maybe there wasn't so much like that. It really kind of zipped right by. And then I realized part of the reason that was the case was that like I just like I kind of like pressed the ten second forward button on Netflix for the entire scene where the woman comes to observe him at having dinner, all the way <laughs> from the moment she gets there up until he cuts himself because I had to watch the scene where he like deals with cutting himself again because that's incredible uh, acting and physical comedy and all that. Yeah. And I was, like, that 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 scene was just like not great, Bob, for me. Like largely because of the, I don't even blame the actress. I blame Noah because like that's a choice the way she was playing that Wait, person. You yeah. don't like the, oh, you don't like that scene. Oh, okay. I, I just don't. I, I don't. I I didn't really like the what, whatever that woman was bringing to the table. Like she was like too weird for me. Like that did not seem like a real person, and it almost yeah. took me out of the movie. I know, like she seemed like okay. I, what I what, one of the reasons why like, there's many things I love about that scene okay. is sort of like the most like ups like. Because also I've been in that sort of position, not, not that like I have a child or anything, but I've been in a position in which like, you know, you have like some bureaucrat coming in to like observe your relationship like with children and then like and then you're doing your best to put on like a face or whatever. But the the unpredictability of children causes you to like, you know, screw up or like think you're more aware of things going wrong and that you're being judged mm. and that and that causes you to you know do something stupid Slit like your wrist. accidentally cut yourself <laughs> um like it's never been luckily for me it's never been that bad but like i can see you um, doing that though actually no actually there is there's one time where like a kid 
like made a reference to like a blue waffle and like you know like it was kind of chaotic so like i was half paying attention because i was just trying to get them to like quiet down or whatever <laughs> and like after the observation um like the person's like oh yeah you said so like some kid asked you did you know what a blue waffle is and they and you your response was yeah just, i mean like i don't know like just show me after class you do not want to know what a blue waffle is and i'm like Oh, I didn't, I didn't know. <laughs> um, but, but the other thing, I think the performance is good because I think she's just capturing just like regular day to day, you know, like bureaucrat and like part of the awkwardness is, you know, her vibe and also <laughs> like his, like, you know, strung out, like he's just, you know, a guy that's, you know, trying to like impress this group lady who probably doesn't really give a shit. Um, and, and then also like, you know, I know people are anti-Henry, but my take is, like, I think it's just getting at the... I think Henry is just serving almost as a plot device. Like, you know, kids I'm not, I'm not ready to have the Henry discussion. I got too much to say. We got more important Auntie things Henry. to talk about than Henry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, but, I mean, I, I respect the, your perspective on a scene like that. I But I, I... And I didn't mean to dwell too much on it at this point, but it was, like... I would say, like, there are just a few different things in this movie that I can nitpick with, but whether it be that scene or a, a couple yeah. other things here and there that, like maybe like make that stand out for me more than anything I could really criticize in his last three of his last four movies. Uh, while we're young, I think is minor bomb I think we can all mostly agree on that. Uh, no, see, here's the thing. I like, okay. So to me, while you're young, <laughs> while we're young, like is like top tier bomb It is. Okay. I, I like it. It's just like, I don't know if it's on the level of the other stuff he's done post Greta. See, here's the thing. I think Meyerwitz is minor. No. And- oh God. I think Meyerowitz is fight, fight, fight. Because here's the thing: I think like with Meyerowitz, because I think you could view this as a trilogy: uh, Squid and the Whale, Meyerowitz, and Marriage Story, because they're all centered on the repercussions of divorce, right? I feel like Meyerowitz is the one that doesn't bring too much new to the table, you know, in part because I guess you're dealing with adults who are, you know, still like you know processing like their relationship with their father but to me it just felt like a rehash of like previous themes that he covered better in squid and the whale and the other one is like here's the thing i really like francis ha i think it's probably now like his most iconic movie Mm -hmm. i probably don't hold it in the same regard as like while we're young or um, uh greenberg or um uh marriage story or mistress america okay interesting fair enough i would just say that for me you know i guess if some of those things in the moment might have just like stood out to me in a way that like nothing stands out to me in those movies that i can like uh, critique to that level but the highs of this movie for me were so high that Hell, I might still put it on that the same tier as those other movies. It's just there were some things that just kind of stood out to me upon my uh, that are still just really fresh to me right now. And maybe those things will fade away as I have more distance between these two viewings I just did over the course of five days. But yeah. I mean, this, like the acting was just like so incredible, and some of the minor moments, and not even just from Scarlett and, and Adam Driver, but like from uh, the, all the all the different attorneys and uh, and, and the family members. Yeah, we should okay. be getting your opinion, Josh, as as you're the lawyer here. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So, what were we gonna oh, say, Josh? This is his legal. This is his legal thriller. Sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, what, what were you gonna say, Josh? <laughs> oh, sorry. I know we want to get off of like the 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 cutting scene, but it just yeah. sort of crystallized. There's something. No, it's a, it's, a, it's an important scene. 
yeah, like I think some. I while we were talking about it, like I think something crystallized it. Why I like that scene so much is because it, you know, it's probably one of the most. It's probably the most absurdest moment in the film, and also I think it gets to. All right, so this is a director that heavily influenced by Woody Allen, but I actually think this is probably his Albert Brooks movie. I think, A, like, you know, Albert Brooks has always been, like, seen as, like, the counterpoint to, like, Woody Allen, like, the Los Angeles counterpoint to him. And also, he's a much meaner filmmaker, which is kind of, like, you know, the tone of most of uh, Bombax's movies. But also that absurdity that you're getting in this film and also the fact that it's, like, kind of similar to modern romance where you're just sort of seeing people at their worst. Uh, oh, God. Uh, this this is so much more rewatchable than Modern Romance. Modern Romance is so uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. <laughs> See, I like that, though. I like, I like, I like, the more uncomfortable I feel, the more... But it, I it's so much less sympathetic towards its protagonist. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. This one's a little bit, because I think at, at, the, at the end of the day, these characters are actually fundamentally good people. But you are seeing, like, the repercussions of, like, a romance deteriorate. Yeah, you know, you want to know the moment that, like, is probably my favorite small moment of this movie? And it just gets at how these are still people that just are maybe not meant to be together, but it, it, they are still compatible in a way that makes it hurt all that much that they realize they are not going to be together, is yeah. that first mediation scene with all the lawyers when they're in, they have to stop and order lunch. And, and she orders some lunch. And she orders for him. And I don't know why he's not capable of ordering him for himself off a menu, but the fact that, like, in that moment, he feels comfortable letting her order for him, and she knows exactly what to order for him, and they are that symbiotic in a way where they get each other, and at the same time, you know, it's not not his choice they're getting divorced, so it has to hurt for him so much in that moment for him to be thinking they should work it out, and he's like— yeah, we can order for each other. Of course, we're meant to be together. We're like, we, that's how close they are, that she can just grab a menu and do it. And it's like, at that point, where like, you're still that close, where you can take an action like that, but you're yeah. still breaking up. Like, that's got to hurt so much more than if it's just like a real, fuck you, I can't even be in your presence kind of moment, which that's the kind of the nerve that I feel like the movie hits really well, where it just really gets its people, and that's its biggest strength. Yeah, see, going off that, that moment for me was that part where, you know, she cut, where... Adam Driver's character comes to the house, Charlie's character, and he he's about, you know, Scarlett's like, well, Nicole's like, you know, where are you staying? And he's, he's leaving the house, and he turns the light off before he leaves the house. And that scene, like, Scarlett realizes, kind of playing back to the beginning monologue, like, he's an en- energy saver. And those little things kind of happen throughout the film to, like, to reiterate that, you know, it's going to be happening throughout the rest of their lives. They're going to remembering things that they love about each other, and it's just going to be continuing on like that. So, like, those little moments really made it for me as well, too, more than the big monologues sometimes. Yeah, and then, like, you know, like, a great example of that is also the scene where he's coming and um, coming to the house, and uh, he has just won the MacArthur grant, and Scarlett has to, you know, serve him his uh, divorce papers, and you realize that he, not only is he divorcing her, but he's divorcing, like, her family as well. She doesn't have like, a family. Yeah. 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 And so, and like, the pictures. Yeah. And so like the ease, the comfortability, he comes into it, into Nicole's mom's house. Like, yeah. The way he's just grabbing food out of the freezer and like, it's nothing, even though. He, yeah. Yeah. And like, he's just bonding over her with her probably more so than she bonds with Nicole, to be honest. It's just, yeah. That awkwardness of it, that it's just, it, it impacts everybody around you. Yeah, Merritt Weaver and uh, and Julie Haggerty, great uh, heat check performances. Yeah, 
there and just like totally have a sense of who that who they are and what their family's like in a very quick amount of time. I mean, it's on the writing, but it's also on some very great performances. I felt like I kind of got their vibes, and I was very impressed. Um, what, do, what 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 did you guys think of uh, the lawyer side of this? Or uh, I mean, because I, I think one of the more interesting things about this movie, in addition to being about these people and their relationships and all that, is I mean, it gets into the mechanics of divorce in a way that like I, I feel like is probably just more true to life than. Uh, anything else you've ever really seen depicted on screen uh i mean kramer versus kramer re- relies on some courtroom scenes that i mean i don't really th- maybe are not the most realistic and uh squid and the whale is more about what happens to the family after they're separated more so than the actual terms of their divorce uh what was it like for you Alyssa, to actually like see all that stuff negotiated on screen uh it was a little bit tough i feel like because like you mentioned we haven't necessarily seen i haven't seen kramer in, or i haven't seen kramer versus kramer either because i'm a bad a bad film girl, but um, a lot of homework to do. Um, it's tough, too, because a lot of people, I feel like, got from this just by looking on Twitter that it was the divorce lawyer's fault, when in reality, I feel like they were just doing their job, and it, they were also just there to show how nasty divorce can get when you want to finalize things. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked seeing the descriptions of, or the different personalities of each of them on uh, on screen you know laura dern's character and ray liotta am i pronouncing it wrong yeah, you got it. You got it. Yeah. character so i thought they were all brilliant supporting actors and hopefully someone one of them gets dominated i thought laura dern's character obviously i'm sure she's I mean, a she's, favorite she's probably gonna win the oscar actually it seems like but yes yeah, for supporting great. actress yeah. yeah i feel like we got to see her in a role that was a little bit bigger than what she's been given and so i'm kind of hoping to see more from her but i think ultimately the lawyer scenes were really uh just eye-opening i think my favorite part too was the like like dissenting madness of that one scene where the lawyer i forgot the actor's name he's telling yes and he's telling charlie the joke and charlie's like i'm sorry am i paying for this (laughs) joke that was one of my favorite scenes because you can feel the frustration of him not understanding what's going on and him trying to move as quickly as he can with the whole process and everything's just going so slowly and it's just agonizing so I thought all the lawyers did a really good job. See, I like the legal process. I like any movies. I like a lot of movies that are about, like, the machinations and processes and details about, like, a certain thing that we kind of take for granted. And, like, you know, I feel like some of the details, like, must have come from Bombac's own, like, autobiography. Like, you know, I when I was watching this, when I found out how expensive div- divorce retainers were, I was like... Okay, this this explains why he wrote Madagascar three. Um, that was and a good then one. The other thing too is just like I'm like also like how how does how does like the average person afford a divorce <laughs> given all like the cost? Right. Yeah, I don't know. Quick quick, quick sidebar, Josh. You you saw Dark Waters already, right? Yeah. I do you have, do you have any Do you have any theories as to why Anne Hathaway did that movie? <laughs> um, I guess we're gonna. I'm, I'm planning on having you do a podcast on this, but like, I feel like it's it's along the same lines of this Noah Baumbach thing too. You know, like why yeah, is she no, in that like, movie? It's such a weird role, but I would imagine <laughs> she's just friends with Ruffalo, uh, or, or just wants to, wants to be in a the lead in a Todd Haynes movie at some point and thought she should make friends with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One <laughs> two. Um, but no, but, it, divorce is like super hella expensive in a way that I didn't even realize. My uncle's a family law attorney. I mean, maybe it's just an L.A. New York thing. I don't know. But like mm-hmm. that was wild, and I, I don't think they made it up either. Like I think that's true. Yeah, yeah. The fact that like you know when you're getting a divorce, like the I guess in some states, like the male apparently has to like pay for the wife's like attorney in addition to his own. Like that, and then like 
I like also like, you know, the little details, like, you know, where it becomes almost like a crime film um, or like a detective story where, you know, like he's going to find a divorce attorney and, you know, he's been um, blacklisted because, you know, she has talked to all the other top attorneys in the city just so he doesn't get a top attorney, like those little details. But also I like it on a subtextual level as like a dramatic device where, okay, you have, you know, these lawyers, like, you know, these both Scarlett and Adam Driver, they're from theater, they're both performers, and Mm -hmm. yet they're not doing any of the talking for themselves. Like, their voice, they're going voiceless, and their lawyers are speaking for them. So that must be very frustrating for, like, performers. And also, like, you know, they have, you know, pretty favorable opinions on each other, but it's getting nasty and ugly because the lawyers are getting involved. And then the second part of it I like, is that, you know, Charlie's a guy without a family, and um, you have, like, Alan Alda and Ray Liotta representing these two paternalistic uh, figures. And even Nora is a maternalistic figure for Scarlett's Nicole. You have, like, Ray Liotta, which is, like, the, you know, the tough dad that's, like, going to tell you what you don't want to hear. And... Mm -hmm. Uh, but kind of get you out of the jam where you have Alan Alda, who's the more nurturing, gentler guy, but it's not what he necessarily needs right now. You One know? of the things I liked about right. the Alan Alda character was that, like, I mean, he still did tell him what he uh, tell him what he didn't want to tell him. It was just like he had to tell him at a later. He told him at a later point than he probably should have. Uh, because you talked about the details and how this stuff actually works. Like, I actually enjoyed it. Like, it's like, yeah, it makes sense when he's telling him you need to get an apartment here. It looks bad to just have you be bringing a kid to a hotel. Like, you need yeah. to get an apartment. And then, and, and, but then he's like, later when they're at, at sidebarring at the mediation, he's like, well, yeah, now it looks like you're, you're, you're an LA family because you have an LA apartment. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> right. well, he's like, you told me to do that. He's like, I know. <laughs> and it's like, there's not like an easy answer to this stuff. Yeah, no, it's it, it, it's it's so fun. And also, like, the performances of all three uh, are pretty great. Like, um, and, 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 and then, like, the details of, like, you know, you have these offices that are pretty, like, sterile with when it comes to, like, Ray Liotta and, uh, and Laura Dern's off uh, their legal offices where you get these wide open, uh, wide open windows and, like, you know, they're shot pretty wide and they feel, like, oppressive while they're supposed to be in the case of Norris, like pretty inviting. And then, you know, you have this rinky-dink uh, uh, lawyer office for Alan Alda that, you know, is probably a little bit more personable. You want to know, know, like, my, you know what my favorite quote in the movie was? What? what? I wouldn't expect too much from that cat. <laughs> he just walks away. That's like the end of, that's the end of it. It's like, it tells you so, so much about that guy that he just like thinks that's just like a funny joke to make and then just goes yeah. away and doesn't do anything. <laughs> oh yeah. my god and quick question like as a lawyer like do you look at like their legal straight like can you like straight up like tell like by looking at all three like who's the better lawyer like or do they like rec- do they seem recognizable to like people you know in the legal profession or well i just don't th- i mean the weird thing is like i don't I, I think they're all fine lawyers from what i understand I, the interesting thing about it i mean Alan Alda just shouldn't be taking cases on that level that involve that level of assets probably because if he if he only charges a certain amount and someone else like a high-powered lawyer is going to go after him and, and spend a bunch of money and bill a bunch of hours to like go after the biggest assets the other person has it's he's going to run through his retainer and then and then, and then it's gonna be like hey man like I I need more money and someone might have signed up with him in the first place because he didn't cost as much it's like he's probably good for like 
a regular upper middle class family that like just has like one house in in Los Angeles. But like this, I mean, I, I, there's a little bit more of a discussion to be had on exactly if they are the one percent because again, there's not that much money in theater, and you could see how they would end up going broke. And he didn't have like a Madagascar three to actually pay him four hundred grand or something that probably solved all of Noah Bombach's problems. So it is a little <laughs> different. But the fact is, there's still a bicoastal family with like multiple houses and a theater company, and I just yeah. don't think the Alan Alda guy like with the rates that he charges shouldn't be like taking on that kind of clientele that's going to necessarily race go to those stakes and i think all the lawyers are good one of the more interesting things i found was that with the scene when he it first becomes apparent that he walks into the courtroom with Yoda after he hadn't been represented by yeah. Alan and laura dern's like oh no you shouldn't have done this you just took this to another level because then you think they're going to, like, beat each other's throats. But then she just, like, walks up, and her and Ray Liotta are, like, so civil and cordial. Like, they do have to kind of, like, they do have to kind of go at each other a little bit in the courtroom. But, but it's a job. It's yeah, it's a job. Awesome. And that's one of my favorite things about my job is, like, yeah, there are some asshole attorneys that are on the other side that I don't like. But overall, it's called civil litigation. And while family law is not exactly litigation, it's still in civil court. And uh, or I mean, I guess family court's kind of different from civil court, but it's still the same idea applies of just being civil and trying to like work it out. And you can kind of be friends with someone who you might be on the other side from. And that's just kind of how it is. And I thought the movie got at that pretty well while still allowing those lawyers to kind of be ruthless in their own right. Right. Yeah. And it didn't feel like they made you choose a side either. But I think that was also the whole point. Well, that was going to be my next question for you guys is some people will criticize this movie, maybe saying. I had heard one point well before I saw it, and I was trying to learn nothing about it. That like, I, I but I heard one person like before I could basically turn the podcast off. I was listening to uh, make the point that they thought it was like uh, it, it became too sympathetic to Charlie as a character, and I think it ultimately becomes his story. And you can talk about whether or not that's a bad thing because Adam Driver gives an incredible performance. I think it's more his story, but it's more sympathetic to her. Did either of you have any thoughts on that as far as whether it was more sympathetic to someone or whether it should have been more of a two-hander through? out how did you think it just kind of balanced their perspectives and it, their, the, the movie's prior and what about the movie's priorities as far as where your sympathies should lie so um listen do you want to take it first uh, I'll, let, I'll let you go first while i mull over and then i'll answer <laughs> yeah you, you got to pick a side by the time he comes back to you yeah listen. okay okay so here's my thing on the movie i think i ultimately agree with what josh said and here's why so like in nicole's telling of the events you know you 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 get the understanding of that, like living with at with uh, Charlie was pretty uh, suffocating, right? And like she was denied her own agency, but you never see that, which I think kind of throws like the balance of the film off for some viewers. But the yeah. thing is, is like as the movie progresses, Charlie's story essentially becomes Nicole's story while they were married, right? Like he's losing his agency, he's being suffocated, he has to make sacrifices. Uh, that he's not willing to make, which is what Nicole had to do while they were married. And then and towards the end of the film, when you get to the big fight, you realize, okay, Charlie was acting selfishly while they were married. Like, he had an extramarital affair, and he, like, you know, wouldn't, you know, compromise or take her own desires seriously. And so he's starting to realize through his story um, and I think the movie is, you know, that's where uh, Noah Baumbach's self-critique and his bite comes in, where he, you know, he gets on Charlie for kind of being selfish. And now he's sort of 
making him feel what she felt during the marriage, right? You know, like his time in L.A. is pretty much her time in New York. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. Yeah, and another thing I'll say is you see him being very dismissive of Henry's uh, opinion. Like, it's like, I mean, even though, yeah, he even doesn't... though, give you a little preview of my rant, Henry rant I'm going to have, he might be the biggest baby of a nine-year-old I've ever seen, but he makes his intentions very clear, and Charlie's like, oh, that doesn't matter. You know, and that and that's another way in which you're showing him not to be all that sympathetic. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Had, like, Charlie is, you know, more focused on his career than, you know, the happiness of both Nicole and Henry. Right. So, um, you know, like Henry in, in, actually enjoys L.A. You know, like um, and my thing is with Henry, the anti-Henry hate. Like, <laughs> we can just have this conversation now, but I wanted to give Lisa a chance to talk about the topic. OK, OK, OK. No, no, you guys are making good points. I'm trying to, like were this delicately too um so kind of josh you made some really good points too about the whole like of of their dynamic because i think for for some reason while i felt why i felt kind of lukewarm about the film afterwards is that you you're kind of only seeing uh charlie's character go through so much like uh hurt so then you kind of feel more you feel badly for him because as a society, we're subject to think that, oh, you know, a dad's trying, we should feel bad for him because he does try his best with Charlie and he's a dad and he's still there. So you kind of favor him in some aspects, but then you're also really happy that Nicole gets to have this autonomy finally. And for me, I don't know if you guys felt this way too. At some times I feel like uh, Scarlett's and Adam's uh, chemistry was just a little bit off. It wasn't but then it's supposed to be like that because they're going through a divorce. But yeah, whenever, I, don't I don't think we're ever supposed to see a moment where they're like really great. Right. They have the best. Because their best chemistry is the fight scene. Exactly. And then it's like, so at some point you're like, okay, were they ever in love? You just kind of like in disbelief that they ever actually worked. So that's I th- why I, was I, like, th- uh. I think that's the first 10 minutes of the movie is supposed to do some of that work, you know? Right. But um, it felt kind of rushed too. Cause you're like, it, it, it's believable, but like, I don't know if that makes. I'm trying to word it in the right way, but for me, just some parts weren't a little believable. That's why I felt a little bit lukewarm. Yeah, and I mean that's the way that movie balances it out. Is that you know it's like you, you don't really ever seem great, but you see. I mean, you need to see a lot more uh, Charlie and uh, tr- trying to make it work. Whereas the things that she is doing with Henry that are the good mom things all happen off screen. So I could see yeah. why someone might make that criticism of the movie. Then, though, I still think that like it portrays him as being and pretty self-absorbed in a way where I don't think its sympathies ultimately lie with him. But it's like it's like him popping in as she's taking the kid off to do something else, as she's not inviting him to go trick or treating with them, and all mm-hmm. as she's kicking him out of the house the first night he's in L.A. before he knew he was gonna get served. It's like they're only showing you certain things in a way that's like it's cher- it's cherry picked. The moments that you're seeing are kind of cherry picked in an interesting way. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's, I guess that goes to the movies. I think a well, key theme of the movie is perspective, right? And so, like, mm-hmm. I think ultimately you're getting more Charlie's perspective than Nicole's perspective. In part, uh, I think it's somewhat deliberate to have, like, you know, him, feel, him slowly realize, like, with, like, the beginning of the movie where you have the two montages of uh, how they, you know, felt about what they love about each other, where they're slowly peeling apart, like, going, oh, okay, there was something fundamentally wrong here and you just don't realize it when you're in the moment, right? Like, if mm-hmm. you're peeling it back and I think that's what, like, Charlie is slowly realizing about his relationship with Nicole where it's like, you know, it seemed idyllic and then as you're, you know, really taking a moment to think about it, you start to, like, piece together 
what's wrong with this. You know, you realize what is, you know, fundamentally off. Mm-hmm. And one thing, like, I, one thing I do admire about, like, those montages and also the look of the film and the score is that the movie looks like idyllic, like, family portraits, like, like, like these, like, old Kodak moments that you would get in, like, the mid-2000s or late 90s. And, like, the Randy Newman score, you know, it's not this. <laughs> It's not dissimilar to like some of like his, you know, Toy Story Pixar stuff. But I think what I like about it is that it's almost like in like stark contrast where everything looks and sounds idyllic, where the underlining text is dark. That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. Do you guys want to talk about that fight? Yeah. One of my favorite scenes <laughs> of the year. Um, I wish you were dead. Um, well, I, I, he, really, I, I, he really did the white guy uh, banging on the wall and create a hole in it thing, huh? Well, there was that. But so do, I, do white I, guys own that move? <laughs> I've done they've, that. They've I've, never done, I've that. never done it myself. But uh, I, I wanted to on my second viewing that I did today. I went back and I, I wrote down some of the lines from that fight. <laughs> did, yeah. did any of you guys have a favorite burn that stuck out to you? My favorite is just like how nasty <laughs> – He's willing, and this is the thing. Some people, like, we talked earlier about, like, you know, this seems like Noah's more warmer films, and that technically might be true in part because of the look and sound of the film. But again, like, he, it's, it gets, it, this, it has, like, probably one of the ugliest scenes. Well, then they, ever had. and then they apologize right after. Like, what did you think of just the overall writing and the arc of that scene? Mm-hmm. I, 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 I loved it because, like, you know, Adam Driver is really giving a huge performance there. And, like, when it, and it's, it perfectly captures, like, an actual fight where you say you go, you're so desperate, you get, you, you're so mad at a person that, you know, you go, you say something such awful, like, you know, I wish you were dead. And then, like, you immediately feel the regret. And I like that. You know, Nicole senses like you know he doesn't actually mean that. That I hey, he, can, can I stop you for a second so I can read that yeah. full quote? Every day I wake up and hope you're dead, like dead. <laughs> if I could guarantee Henry would be okay, I'd hope you get an illness and get hit by a car and die. <laughs> I mean, that is yeah, like that is a lot. This is his warmest. And we're seeing this as his warmest film, but like he became more sentimental. <laughs> oh my god. Um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, Alyssa, how did that how, how did that strike you as you just watched that scene build? Like, did you? I, I feel like we kind of you kind of know there's got to be like a fight in a divorce. Yeah, movie. there has to be but, a climax. But, but it but it like almost catches me off guard of just how far they took it. Like, were you taken aback? Were you like were you sad? Like, what what was your emotional reaction to seeing them just go at each other like that? Yeah, I felt like I, I felt like it was coming only because the whole film. Or most of the beginning of the film, they're like, okay, we're going to be civil. We're going to be civil. And there has to be, you know, like a heated point. But I didn't expect, I honestly don't think I expected Driver to be like, but it's, it was a weird, sensitive way to say that I wish you were dead because it was like, if I can guarantee that Henry was okay, then I wish you were dead. Like, like it was like a caring, it was like a caring version of hoping someone would die. So it was like a weird, like, it wasn't, it was sad that they had gone to that point, I think, after it happened. I don't think. I don't think driver or I don't think Charlie's character was necessarily sad that he said it. I think he was more so upset that they had gone to that point after being civil for so long. Yeah. And I'm sure they'd had fights before, but what struck me also about that one was that you see in like the very first scene, he has like a very, like what at least seems to us like a very good relationship with her mom. And then he brings her mom into the fight, like almost right from the get go, (laughs) 
after. He's, yeah. like, he's like insulting her for being like her mom. And then he says, when we would lie in bed together sometimes, I would look at you and see her and just feel gross. It's like all of a sudden, <laughs> yeah, like, like it's like, like a 180. She's your Gma. Gma, yeah. what's up? And then gives her hugs and <laughs> stuff. And, and she's helping him find a divorce lawyer. And like, you seem like they have their really good independent relationship. And then it's just like, yeah. man, he's bringing the mama right into it right from the start of the fight. Like he's coming in off the top rope, or at least you think so. And then yeah, the fight goes that, to like three more see, levels after that. See, and that's the thing. Like, I guess that's like the same thing that like uh, attracts me to like Albert Brooks. It's just like just like people who could really capture like the ugliness that we all have inside of us. That yeah. like you know like this is like our like our civil like how we're talking to each other now. That's more of a face. That's more of us like posturing. And then when you're really tested. That's like when you just like let it out like that. And also just like the blocking of that scene. Apparently, like Bombback, unlike his influence, like Woody Allen, where like Woody Allen is actually a pretty flexible director where he, you know, actors are granted the time to like, you know, improvise lines or and like he doesn't shoot many takes, like only two generally. Like Noel Bombag is a very like precise director. Like he scripts down every single um and us and mm-hmm. um Or the moment where to- before the fight starts when he just like smiles and crosses his legs. Like I, I wonder if that was in the script, you know, when he's like, I don't know, I, I don't know where to start. Like it was a very interesting reaction to there to, for like what is likely gonna be the starting point of an argument. Right. And like, you know, like the thing is, like, from what I gather is that like Bombac, you know, he does many, many takes. And if you say day instead of that, like it's like little things like that, you have to start over. Like um, and he scripts everything and he meticulously rehearses stuff. And again, and, and it's not, you know, like you're not really paying attention to the blocking unless like you're looking for it. But it's just like it, you know. It's like a really good theater performance, but yeah. but also feeling real at the same time. It's sort of like a difficult balancing act that you know. Credit to everybody involved because you know I think it's one of the best scenes of the year. Yeah, can I can I I'll say one more line that I thought was like the best one she gets in <laughs> is I can't believe I have to know you forever. <laughs> or the rest of my life <laughs> or the or the the line where i think i've like heard this like a girl say this to me too it's like you know you're so selfish you don't even realize the selfishness <laughs> like no, oh, oh, like, I, I, wrote, yeah. I, I wrote i wrote that one down you're so merged with your own selfishness you don't even identify it as selfishness anymore <laughs> and then and then another one was uh, oh no! That, this was just more like uh, it is straight up going below the belt. The thought of having sex sex with you makes me want to peel my skin off. <laughs> See, I don't like. This is the thing. I don't get why people. The critique of Noah Baumbach throughout his career is that he romanticized these narcissistic people, but like there is clearly like a self awareness of how like self centered and self interested these characters are, and he's often like you know critiquing and attacking them. You know what and, I mean? And like, and like, Charlie's very smug with like just the the professionally the way he goes about things. Like he's like, uh, it's like almost condescending or patronizing the way he's like, oh yeah, I need to give you the note. And he's they're talking about how everyone's how he gives notes to everyone, and that is a director's job. But it's like, you know, it does seem like he knows better, and we're, we're it's kind of in. You couldn't hold off for one night, the final night. <laughs> yeah, and it's like it's like implied that like that's just like. Uh, that's just like he feels he knows best on all those things based on the way he was like very dismissive about her career prior. And then even just like throws it in there during the fight. All your best acting is behind you. You're back to being a hack. It's like <laughs> we just, it's clear that this guy's just a dick. I don't think Noah's glamorizing it at all. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think as someone who probably, you know, shared... The thing is, like, also, like, Adam Driver, like, kind of looks like Noah Baumbach in this movie. Like, he dresses and has the same haircut as Noah Baumbach. Like, I I can only guess that, like, you know, looking back at, like, maybe the fallout of his divorce, these are the type of self-criticisms that he probably realize that you know what was wrong with him and why that marriage didn't work you know what i mean like i i think these movies are more perceptive than people like give them credit for yeah can we talk about henry yeah okay this is my take on henry here's my no let me go first my my take is that charlie and nicole are bad parents because they have the most emotionally and physically stunted nine-year-old i've ever seen first of all this kid is like five foot six already and sits in a booster seat for some reason like what are you guys doing okay i didn't get, i didn't get that. that that was like bothering me like throughout the movie i didn't like it was one of those yeah why was he in a booster seat <laughs> he's too yeah, big like, for a booster I, I, seat I, I, I legit didn't get that but this is my thing on henry <laughs> he's accurate he's an that's an accurate depiction of how annoying nine-year-olds are like like anytime like a movie depicts a kid as being uh annoying and irritating like yeah no they're, they're, they're doing a good job like the kid in um once upon a time in hollywood like that's fantasy <laughs> that kid right there like that's a great performance by that actress but like julia butters know, give her give her a shout yeah, out yeah julia butters you know yeah she she's 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 just she's like playing in like that, i mean like know, in that moment though i could buy that there'd be a showbiz kid that would take themselves that seriously though yeah, no, I know, I know. But what I'm saying is the fact that you find him tolerable, that that's a little bit— I'm not even like, talking that much about his personality because I don't think he has a personality. That might be one more of my more bigger critiques of the movie. But my thing is, like, he doesn't need one. Like, my thing is, like, that's the kind of the point where it's just, like, he's more of a burden. He's more of an annoyance than—like, uh, is this—like, to me, it, it's kind of— deliberate in the sense that like you know he's the plot device you know like they're fighting over his custody and yet you know he's also somewhat getting into the way like because he's a kid and so like a kid is gonna present like just problems for the parents that they have to sort of overcome you know what i mean it's just sorry go ahead josh like he's he's just as much of an annoyance as the lawyers are that's my (sighs) As the child of divorce, like, uh, were you happy? <laughs> was I that just, bad? <laughs> no, no. Were you happy having the movie be of, of the, from the perspective of the adults more, or did you want to see a little bit more about how it's affecting him? Because we don't get a lot of what he thinks about it. Right. I feel like when Henry talks about it, it just feels like really easy for him. Because like, I remember that one scene where he was like, "When we go to Universal, like, we can ride Jaws like twice. Like, I don't mind. I don't mind riding it twice." And like. Well, did, so like, him not trying to rock the boat, maybe? Does that feel true to you? Yeah, I guess in that sense. I was a little bit younger than Henry when my mom my mom and dad got divorced. Um, but so I guess going off that, I think he does a good job of trying to figure it out. I think it's also not – I feel like you, you think Charlie's at fault when Henry doesn't want to go out trick-or-treating or whatever. But it's just a learning lesson. Like, it's going to be a learning lesson from then on. And I, I, I feel like that mimicked my story, too. It was a learning lesson of how to, you know, please both sides of the family. And you do have two Christmases and stuff like that. But um, kind of going off that, I feel like the tone of the movie would have been completely different if Henry was a sweet kid and everything just worked out. And I don't think it would have worked as well if Henry was... 
Well, I do kind of, I do kind of like the idea of showing him going through like mom and dad phases because that would really screw with like the dynamics and how their the mom and yeah. dad are feeling in the divorce. So I like using him that way. I, I did. Like I, also, but I thought like you didn't really need to see like his point of view. Like I thought right. it was crystallized in that scene where like he uh, uh, Charlie is about to take him for the day and like he's holding Char- uh, Charlie's hand, but he's pulling on mommy like he wants to stay with nicole more than yeah. he wants to go with charlie i think that like kind of just summed up everything you needed to know about like how he feels about the situation and also because he's a kid you know it goes up and down like you know or in, he, yeah or in, like she's like he's in a mommy phase or whatever sorry to cut you off yeah yeah but i agree like yeah like one yeah. moment you're like pro dad and one moment you're pro mom and it's just kids emotions are kind of flexible and then also these parents also they you know they had they were they had a career and they're being a little bit they were at one point far less attentive than they are now with charlie and so they you know it kind of mirrors their attentiveness with him mm-hmm. yeah i guess no, that, I, fair, like i think almost every movie about parents like it's pretty easy for people to say like oh they suck or whatever like they're bad parents i think like well, I also think- their kid doesn't know how to poop and he's nine years old it's like hey holds it in for a week he does he has to pee he just he just doesn't know he has to pee it's like how does your kid not know how to pee he's nine that seems like a, that seems like a, medical, that seems like a medical condition like my thing is like they have to give him is- gifts to go poop he's nine my not thing four. is like, if you if you turn the camera on like almost <laughs> any single parent like raising a child, there are things that you'd be like, "What the fuck were they doing?" Like like the scene where like Ray Ray Liotta's like, "Wait, you didn't buckle it yourself?" Like <laughs> like which is kind of crazy that. The but also, they're they're, like, they're a New York family. Like all, all all divorce arguments aside, like they are kind of like they don't. They, he wouldn't have. Why why would he know how to buckle one of those things in? He's like lived in New York his whole adult life. Yeah, that's fair. true. That's a good. That would have been a great point. Um, <laughs> yeah, you should have said that. You see, here's the thing. This is the one nitpick I have with the movie. Um, it's like when Ray Liotta makes that comment. I'm like, why would he like throw his like client under the bus so publicly? <laughs> like, <laughs> and even for something that seems kind of, um, in the grand scheme of things, is kind of like small. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it's not the worst thing he could have ever done. It's not like he hit his child. <laughs> like, um, mm-hmm. it, it, it's a funny moment, but I just didn't buy. And you can tell me, like, like. Uh, as a lawyer, like would that aside be admissible in court? <laughs> Wait, which aside? Oh, the thing about the about the. I mean, well, yeah, they, 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 they were already in court at that point. As far as like, I mean, at that point, it's too late. I mean, like the judge can like decide what to consider and not. That's not a jury trial per se, but like the judge gets. I mean, I guess in a trial like that, the judge really gets to make the ultimate decision on evidence or anything yeah. like that. And like, yeah, yeah maybe it's a tactical error for him to make a comment like that. But I mean. Uh, there's this, it's a very minor issue in the grand scheme of things, you know? Okay. 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 It's just one of those, like the lawyer, like, like Ray Liotta knows like it's not going to hurt him or anything like that. It's just, just like, what the fuck were you thinking? That guy's also a hothead. So, um, yeah. So who knows exactly? But I mean, I guess, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I feel you there, but I mean, overall though, we, we didn't talk uh, before we finish up. I, I, I do want to give you guys a chance to say anything else you want to about those performances. Cause I, I, Being alive, man. The oh, 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 I forgot about the singing. Yeah. Did you have anything you want to say on that? That was <laughs> Adam Driver flexing, being like, oh, yeah, I'm like a great, I'm one of the greatest living I actors, went to Juilliard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I've been like listening now. Like, it got me onto like this kick where I've been now watching like the making of Company and yeah. like all the original cast recordings of it. I love that moment, like that scene um, where he's like singing. You know, it had been hyped up a lot 
on film Twitter or whatever. And yeah. But then when I actually saw where, you know, when he, when he hears, when he starts singing the song, it's like, what are those things where like, you know, like there's a lot of songs that you listen to, like some of your favorite songs, like you love hearing it, but it, it takes a long time for you to finally like understand like the lyrics, like what the song is actually about. And so like, I felt like in that moment, like, you know, you know, like, sure, he probably intellectually, you know, could say what, you know, that song is about. He's a theater director, is a seminal, you know, uh, song in a, in a pretty important musical. But I think when he finally sings it, it it's like the first time because it applies to the feelings that he's going through through this divorce that, like, I think, like, it sort of sinks into him, like, what it, like, what it means. And then also it is, you know, it compliments um, uh, Nicole and her family singing. You could drive um, a person crazy. I feel like no yeah. one hyped that part up. It was such a good, like, contrast. Like, mm-hmm. she's yeah. singing that song with a smile on her face. You know, she has her new life. And then mm-hmm. you you go back to Charlie, who is, like, depressed, trying to explain the whole divorce and singing Being Alive. And they both should be hyped up, even though Being Alive obviously stands out. Oh, yeah. Adam singing it. Yeah, and just, like, you know, and the fact that, like, they keep this like small moment in where like he goes back to his table to get a drink of his wine and like yeah. it's just a good moment. But also, you know, he's singing, you know, this main, you know, they're both singing songs from company, but the mm-hmm. fact that like, you know, him singing the song from a musical called company where like, you know, he's with his theater company while not having his family company with them. While yeah. Cole has it like, it's just it's a lot of good touches there. Like, um, but yeah, honestly, I'm thinking I'm going to rewatch the movie after this podcast. <laughs> See, honestly, the rewatch was better. I was going to ask you, Josh, too, what you thought about the rewatch. Like I said, I skipped over that scene with the, the in-home inspector. So because I, I was just like, I was trying to But I, I, I finished like 10 minutes before we started this. So like, I really needed to like skip something. And that was like my least favorite part of the movie, just because I didn't like the way they made that woman. Like I just wanted like a more normal person. And I think I would have been, if it was like a more normal inquisitive person, I think I would have just dug it a little more. Um, but like, I think that made my rewatch go a little smoother, but like, it's still yeah. really, it's still really, that movie still like just moves on the rewatch too. Like it was, I wouldn't necessarily say I liked it better, but I was in a different physical state because instead of being drunk and or like hung over in bed at like a 6 30 a.m on a saturday um so that made a difference too but i mean uh but yeah this i mean might like be it's his really longest good. movie too right oh it's like it's over two hours yeah i mean squid in the whale I, no squid in the whale is quick actually yeah no i think it probably is uh squid in the whale and kicking the screamer are both like pretty short but yeah i, I mean i think i don't i, I think it earns its runtime for sure uh, yeah, and I and I think like award season, what it does, like the worst thing about it is like because we're thinking like you know in the context of the Oscars, which is this very short term thing. Like I think what's kind of frustrating about it is that if you didn't have all this like hype and build up to it and all this scrutiny, you know, we could just enjoy movies on, like on their own term or whatever. Like you know, like if you don't put like this movie is going to win best picture and there's not this like expectation that this is the best movie you're going to see all year, then, you know, I, I think people wouldn't have these like, you know, I had like, really high expectations too. I mean, and I'm, I, yeah. I, I mean, I, and like I said, there are these things I can quibble with, but I do, I do feel like I'm glad that Noah, like, I do feel like he rose to the occasion. I mean, I guess the, the, the hype train was probably there to some extent as soon as they announced the cast. But yeah. like it's not like Adam Driver, Noah Baumbach has one Oscar nomination, Scarlett Johansson has zero, 
Adam Driver didn't have any at the time where like they agreed to do this movie, so it wasn't like necessarily a slam dunk. But it's kind of cool that he, he got these two big stars together, and then he just like wrote something that was as powerful as it was, and is going to get the Oscar nominations. It's going to get. You you know what's weird, and you know this is one of those things nobody's going to believe me because it's one of those things that I've, I'm saying after the fact. But like when I when it was first announced after my uh, my Ritz stories, I was like, you know what? Like, I was thinking, like, when this project was first announced, so, like, my hype was already up. But, like, <laughs> and the first image, I think, of the film was, like, Scarlett Johansson, like, walking out of a subway. Because I think this movie was pretty much finished last year, but, you know, Noah goes through, like, a long post-production process, uh, fine-tuning his movies. I kind of, like, figured that, like, you know, no, no, Noah with Netflix... One of these days, he'll make, like, a very, like, accessible, and I pick, and I thought it would be this movie, like, he's long overdue for, like, awards recognition, he's a respected director, I just always assumed that he'd one day sort of make, like, a very, like, accessible film that would be probably, like, his best picture winner, you know, and I figured it would be this one, just be, just because I'm like, oh, Scarlett Johansson is on Netflix, like, this this seems like a slam dunk, you know mm. what I mean? And it, yeah. was, it was weird. It was a weird prediction, like two thousand, like in like twenty seventeen. And I, again, nobody's gonna believe me because I'm saying this after the fact. But did you I, tweet yeah, it for I, it to be proven? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, I was like, yeah, like you know, because I always felt like you know, it's just like certain directors, like you know, they're very singular in the work. But like, you could see a world where like under the right circumstances, like they make something that's pretty accessible and yeah. Noah always seemed like he was like one film away from doing so. Well, speaking of Netflix, I don't want to derail you, Josh, but were you guys kind of shocked about the discourse on Twitter? I just feel like every time a Netflix movie is about to come out, there's so much discourse on Twitter that I wasn't expecting, like with bird box. What are you specifically and... talking about with respect to marriage story? Like the divisiveness yeah the divisiveness and I'm just the very happy the that i think i missed most of it i mean i know i've seen some people say they didn't love it but like i think i've probably missed the sharpest and most intensive the uh yeah. but like, conversation you're but you have like, just, people like grading like the fight scene without yeah. having seen the movie oh that's and then like, yeah like it may not work out of context right <laughs> yeah I, that's that's, a, that's one thing that's annoying i've seen people being like yeah just, people just think that anytime someone shouts a lot it's good acting it's like no, it's not what yeah. we're saying. And then they also posted the monologue of them fighting and or the picture the the monologue of Nicole in the in Laura Dern's office and they were like, You guys think this is a monologue? Have you guys ever seen a play or whatever? Like yeah. that kind of like commentary on it and posting it and not having seen it. But like because you know how how like with all these Netflix movies, there's a lot of like talk about it on Twitter that just like comes from nowhere. Like I saw a lot with Bird Box and like Bandersnatch and stuff like that, but I was shocked to see all the talk about marriage story, but I don't know if you guys are noticing that too. Maybe just me, but he, like again, because I think we all like followed the same like film Twitter accounts yeah. and stuff. Like when, when, like here's the thing: when this race kind of like started, like I knew, like okay, I've been saying like Joker's gonna win Best Picture, and then a part of me is kicking my like I still think that, but like a part it of me, could. my part of me that's like kicking myself a little bit is the fact that like I also anticipated. All right, so when Marriage Story dropped, you know there has to be a movie that like. You know, it probably when it drops, it might get like a front runner status. Because also the other thing is like, you know, someone may, may say like, oh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood seems like an obvious front runner because it's about the movies or whatever. But if you look at what the Academy has kind of gone for the last 
couple of years, like those movies like do really well in nominations and get some awards, but they ultimately choose a small, quiet related. Drama. Would you watch her network comedy or whatever it is that she's starring in that's an alien show? See, I would like here's the thing. <laughs> I was thinking about this. You know, like you know like how Greta Gerwig was initially supposed to direct and write and star in um the How I Met Your Mother spinoff. Yeah, thank God mm-hmm. that didn't happen. Yeah, it, but it's weird because I could have been like one of the best TV shows either. I don't think she was going to be the showrunner, was she? I thought she was just yeah, going to be the like, star. She 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 really wanted to take a huge like role in the show. Like she wanted to direct episodes. She wanted to write episodes. And then when they filmed the pilot or whatever, CBS I guess didn't like what they had or whatever, which. I assume it's probably like one of the best like unaired pilots ever because um, it's Gerwig. And I'm sure I assume that what she did was probably more original. Like, you know, she didn't make like that straight up how I met your mother uh, spinoff that they wanted. She probably made something a little bit more idiosyncratic is like my guess. But yeah, there's an alternative. See, I, I, I really have no interest in seeing what her how I met your father series looks like, but I am still very, very here for her in Noah's Barbie movie if it ever happens. No, oh you my want gosh. Barbie over Okay, here's the thing. I'm sure that's good. I'm sure it's good. Like they would they Marvel would not Rock. they would not do something like that unless they had like a good spin or idea. Well, here's the thing. I remember one time like Noah had Noah had some like the couple unrealized Noah Bombback projects was um uh, Mr. Popper's Penguins. Remember that Jim Carrey family movie? Mm-hmm. Um and then, like, he also, like, wrote, like, the famous TV series, The Corrections, which was the adaptation of the John Franzen book. And they had filmed actual episodes. So it was this huge prestige project with a lot of talented actors. And HBO decided not to go forward with it. And, like, Greta Gerwig told them, like, it's kind of funny that you're making television because, like, you don't watch television. <laughs> like, <laughs> that was so funny. Yeah, so, like... I, I kind of imagine, like, like there are some things that they probably have done in their careers where, or at least Bombeck in particular, where, like, it's kind of probably a good thing it never came to fruition. Like, like it probably did. It, it, it's weird. I say this, but, like, also huge fan of him. So, but I, I don't think I want his Mr. Popper penguin. <laughs> Actually, you know what? That would be my most anticipated movie <laughs> since Gemini Man. Oh, oh no! All right, are we gonna, um, all right, you guys, we, we, we got to finish up in a minute. So, uh, listen, I'm going to go to you. Do you have any final parting thoughts? Do you like the movie? Oh, more? do I like the movie more now that we've discussed it? Yeah. <laughs> yes and no, but I really think that I'm going to come back to it after watching a few Bombax films and maybe like it more. I think that's where I'm at right now. I did really like the film. I think the hype is a lot. Not more than it deserves, though. The hype is a lot, but I'm not saying it doesn't deserve it. I just, I like the movie, and I. You just I, don't think it's the best movie of the year. It's yeah. not your best picture choice. Just for me personally, but that, that doesn't negate that there were strong performances. I love the score and the music choices, and I think the film itself is raw. I just, I guess, I maybe just didn't connect with it emotionally, and that's just a personal choice. But I think it's a film you have to watch at least by the end of the year. Yeah. So if you, uh, if 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 the movie year ended today, Josh, is this your best picture winner personally? Um, I would be so. Here's the thing with a lot of the contenders. Well, so you had, like, yeah, I don't even. You have Once Upon a Time in Hollywood really up there too, huh? Yeah, like I, a lot of the contenders like Parasite, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Irishman, and Marriage Story. I'd yeah. be perfectly fine if they won 
it would be like, okay, this is my favorite of the decade. This winter, that's, a, that's the thing. It's like we just need it to not be something bad like last year. It's yeah. gonna be Joker. It's gonna be Joker. We're so desperate. Uh. It's like it's like please give us anything, and then they're gonna give us Joker, and we're gonna be like, all right, great year, everyone. See you next year. <laughs> and I think you're the hottest on Joker out of the three of us. But you, even, like, yeah, it's not, like, I think Lisa is. But even like I think you have a lot of movies you think you've liked better than that this year. Oh, I like way more better movies than Joker, but I probably liked it more than you two, but yeah. it wasn't my favorite of the year. Yeah. I'm still a big voucher for like Beach Bum and I like yeah. us and like, you know, I feel like everyone forgets the earlier films too, yeah. but I also really love The Irishman and I watched it recently and I would watch it again in a heartbeat, even though the film was so long. I thought it was really strong. So I'm I really watched curious. it twice. Yeah, you watched I, it twice? Because I, 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 I saw it in a theater and then I needed to do it again before I did the podcast. So. Same. Yeah, uh, I keep Irishman is to me the most quotable movie of the year. Like, oh, yeah. you know, in our group chat, uh, Josh and I's group chat, like I'm always like quoting and sending the Irishman memes. Like, <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, like the Scorsese yeah. thing is like he's gonna show up 15 minutes late to his meeting with Bob Iger. <laughs> and wearing shorts. And wearing shorts. And yeah. wearing shorts. All right, <laughs> Josh. Any final marriage story thoughts? Because I'm about to fall asleep. The only thing I would say is like. I kind of anticipated the lukewarm response because, you know, Bombeck is kind of a divisive uh, filmmaker because of the milieu he's working in and also the Scarlett Johansson of it all. I knew that, like, she would get dinged for this movie no matter what. But overall, like, I think that the movie, I I think it's a strong evolution in Bombeck's career. I think it's one of his best and it's a movie I can't wait to return to. Yeah, my last thing I'll say is that I because we didn't talk about the scene, I just wanted to give Adam Driver one more shout out for the the final scene where he's reading Nicole's oh, note. Like, oh yeah. Or, oh. I I think he probably I think I I, I wouldn't have a problem. I I, I don't want to really be. I probably still say Parasite's my favorite movie of the year, but like I feel pretty confident at this point in saying he's probably my favorite uh, lead performance of the year. I'll give him that. So I it, it's just incredible. So. Yeah. Alyssa, before we sign off, uh, anywhere anything you want to plug? Letterbox. Twitter, oh, something, yes. something else you want people to watch? Anything? Oh, gosh. Um, on Letterboxd, follow me. It's easy. It's Lissa, Lissa, L-I-S-S-A, twice. Please watch Beach Bum if you haven't. I feel like everyone slept on that. <laughs> and then go listen to the podcast Beach that Bum's we did great. on it with Ben. And then go listen to the podcast that we did with Ben. And um, I'm looking forward to Uncut Gems. Go watch that, too. And follow me on Twitter. That's a little bit harder, but you'll find me eventually. <laughs> okay. Josh, anything you want to plug? The Beach Bum is also in my top five, so I'll, I'll wow. go on that bandwagon. Ooh. But, but also, I normally I would plug my letterbox, but my students found my letterbox. They <laughs> so, did. You don't. You don't. Yeah, you don't I mean, get too wild on there or anything. Yeah, there's something embarrassing. It's funny because like the things that I probably wait. So you actually have high. middle school students that are like into letterbox? Like those? those no, I have cool students. High schoolers now. So like, oh, I didn't know. You were um, so they probably found it like looking for my Instagram or something like that. Uh, but like the probably the most controversial things I've ever said on Letterboxd are probably on movies that they don't they're not interested in. So like you know like what I have to say about Hal Ashby is probably not going to be read. But they did like like they were taken aback that I gave Joker a two and a half and Ford v Ferrari a three, and I had to be like, look, we we have similar takes on Ford versus Ferrari. But whatever. I wonder if they're gonna find like the time that you wrote a review about how you. Uh... You used to like uh, dress up as Woody Allen when you were twelve years old and give like the Annie Hall speech or something like that. They're like, man, we got, we got to think twice about <laughs> this guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, like I, I, I wonder. I mean, it's like, oh, uh, like because I remember 
there, there's okay. Long story short, last year there was this. When I was in high school, I liked the page for this movie called Boss Nigger, and like my Facebook is private. But my, like <laughs> some parent found that I had liked the page for this movie called Boss, and it has the N word in the title. My heavens. And, yeah, yeah, and so they called the school, and I the the I like the vice principal had to be like, yeah, just make sure your Facebook is private or whatever. And I keep thinking of like this poor like thirty something year old white man had to look up the movie Boss, <laughs> like and realize and like learn who Jervell Martin is. Um, but yeah. All right, there you go. Uh, as usual, I'm Josh Jernovoy, J O S H J U R N O V O Y on. Twitter and on Letterbox Podcast Twitter Rewind Movie Pod Podcast Gmail the Rewind Movie Pod at gmail.com so send any send any feedback those ways uh, coming up next I don't know what the podcast is going to be because this is either posting before or after another one but uh, we're going to have something on what's coming out this weekend because we have Richard Jewell Dark Waters and uh, I don't know if I'm going to do a podcast on Black Christmas but I'm actually kind of curious about that so uh, stay tuned for all that before we get to Star Wars and those other small movies like that that are coming out thanks again to listen and Josh for joining me we'll see you next time